Hello, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, college football fans across the nation and around the world. Once again, another special uh, Letterman Row Tim May podcast brought to you by yours truly, Tim May. And I've got a special guest on today, a fellow by the name of Ryan Aber, who covers Oklahoma football. And uh, you can see him on the screen there. Due to technical problems, you can't see me, but maybe that's a good thing, Ryan. How are you doing, Ryan? Doing great. How are you doing this morning? You uh, staying sane through all of this uh stuff we got going on right now yeah yes i am my man i mean uh, the coronavirus quarantine uh, i'm staying crisp and clean in the quarantine so far you know uh today happens to be as we record this happens to be my 66th birthday so i've moved even deeper <laughs> deeper into the uh people who are most in jeopardy for this thing so i'm trying to uh stay away from people as much as possible but i realized i'd have to keep my video my actual video uh, person out of it, but I appreciate you coming on with me, Ryan, and I think most people understand why I have you on, because, you know, over the weekend, even though Ohio State has pretty much put a quietus on recruiting, et cetera, for the last couple of weeks, and will continue for a while under this coronavirus uh, reaction, um, Ohio State keeps getting, seems to be getting players uh, either in recruiting commitments or, in this case, through the uh, graduate transfer portal. And uh, they picked up fairly, I guess, highly prized running back Trey Sermon from Oklahoma, which Oklahoma, which is a beat that you cover, Ryan, for the from the Oklahoman down there in Oklahoma City. Um, you know, tell us a little something about Trey Sermon. Uh, starting with the, the fact that even though hopes are high that he's going to give Ohio State an immediate uh, help at running back where he could use it um, desperately right now, uh, he's coming off knee surgery himself, right? Yeah, he suffered a, an ACL tear in, in November against Iowa State that ended his season. Uh, got a chance to see him actually about uh, not quite two weeks ago at OU's Pro Day, which happened the day before everything sort of shut down uh, in, in the sports world and seemed to be moving around okay. Obviously, wasn't running or anything, but uh, I'll be interested to see how quickly he's able to get back on the field and contribute because he was a, a very highly thought of running back. He just sort of fell out of favor this year uh, at Oklahoma. You know, right, as you remember him and, and when he was playing at Oklahoma, what, uh, what stood out about him most as a running back? Obviously, his first touchdown, his first career touchdown as a collegian came in Ohio Stadium during that, uh, for a lot of Ohio State fans, that forgettable loss to uh, Baker Mayfield and the Sooners way back when. But uh, what what has stood out about uh, Trey as his career evolved until the injury? You know, I think the biggest thing that stood out to me about Trey Sermon is the way he seemed to, to get stronger uh, as the games went on, as other teams tired out. He was one of those guys that just sort of battered and battered them uh, and, and was able to finish out games. He developed this uh, reputation as a closer for the Sooners, and it really started – in that 2017 game at Ohio Stadium, where in the fourth quarter, I think he had uh, 13 of his 20 touches in the game uh, during that quarter and uh, just really helped the Sooners uh, close out that win. And it wasn't just that one. It was several, especially over the course of that year and his sophomore year when he had a few more really big games uh, to, to be able to do that. I think a lot of OU fans maybe – uh, underappreciated him because they had flashier – he had flashier guys around him, Rodney Anderson, Kennedy Brooks. But uh, he's a big physical runner who can uh, just mm -hmm. wear out opposing defenses. Do you think – you've seen Ohio State play a little bit because you're like me. I'm sure you watch a lot of college football, not just the Oklahoma Sooners version of it. But do you think you'll fit in with what Ohio State likes to do offensively from what you've seen of Ohio State over the years? Yeah, I, I think he will. I think he's a, a, a versatile running back who's going to be able to fit into a lot of systems, but especially uh, Ohio State with what they like to do. I, I think Trey Sermon is a good fit. Now there's the question over whether he can be the featured back uh, as Lincoln Riley likes to rotate his back so much that you don't have a, a true number one, although Kennedy Brooks yeah. has sort of emerged as the one to Trey Sermon's 1A. Uh, over, over the last year, year and a half. But, uh, you know, I think we'll get a chance to see that if Trey Sermon can carry the load, assuming that he's able to get back to full health and, and be the Trey Sermon 
that we saw before last year. Yeah, you know, from like you said, you just saw him at the at the OU Pro Day, which uh, sneaked in just before they, those things all got canceled. <laughs> but uh, did did he? Was he walking without a limp? How would you describe him? I guess. Yeah. You know, what kind of what kind of goods are Ohio, is Ohio State getting in this thing? Yeah, he looked like he was moving around uh, pretty well. You didn't see a noticeable limp from him. You didn't see the big uh, bulky brace on him. And and again, it wasn't like he was doing physical activities out there. He was just milling around yeah. on the field, talking to his teammates and and former teammates. But I think it was encouraging to see that just a few months after surgery to be able to to move around even like that. I think is a, a good sign for, for Trey Sermon and obviously now for Ohio State. All right, let's jump to another thing I want to talk to you about, as you well know. In our, in our, pre, uh, in our pre-podcast workup, I told you I wanted to get into just like uh, the idea of transfers anymore. As you well know, three of the four starting quarterbacks in the college football playoff last year <laughs> were transfer quarterbacks. Um, and, you know, here's Ohio State leaning on the grad transfer thing to get yet another key player for them, just like they did a year ago in the uh, transfer portal. They picked up Justin Fields. Nobody knows transfer quarterbacks, for example, better than Oklahoma and you guys, uh, you know, guys who cover that team. I mean, three straight transfer quarterbacks took them to uh, to the college football playoff. Do you think – this is just the beginning of just a ridiculous uh, time in college football history. What, what, what's your take on that, uh, Ryan? Yeah, I don't think it's going away, especially at the quarterback position where you've only got one guy who can play. You know, we're talking about Trey Sermon and running backs. There's at least – they can rotate those guys and be okay. They're not going to do that at quarterback. So if you're at somewhere where you're stuck behind somebody, and, you know, we've seen that the other way with Oklahoma, with Austin Kendall – who got stuck behind first Baker Mayfield, then Kyler Murray, and then finally when Jalen Hurts came in, he's like, ah, I'm going to head over to West Virginia and try to start there. (laughs) OU's benefited from from getting uh, Baker Mayfield, who's a little bit different case because he wasn't a scholarship guy, but uh, Kyler Murray, big-time five-star, who just didn't feel like uh, Kevin Sumlin's system fit him, uh, wound up transferring, obviously had all the success in the world. Jalen Hurts, we know what happened with him down at Alabama. So I don't think this is stopping anytime soon at any position. Heck, OU's brought in two uh, transfer wide receivers just over this offseason, and Theo Howard from UCLA, Obi Obialo from Marshall, uh, to, to try to fill some holes there. I think both from the perspective of the coaches, trying to fill holes of guys that have left to the NFL, guys who have transferred or guys just who haven't panned out, and uh, the guys themselves looking at, at better options around the country. I don't think you're going to see this tide of uh, transfers stem anytime soon. Yeah, I was going to say, you know, the, the dynamic that Ohio State experienced, and, you know, like you just said with Austin Kendall, which, which is what uh, Oklahoma experienced, is the guys you've recruited who all of a sudden find another person in the room and, you know, off of that person is more cherished than they are, they look. They look to leave themselves. So it kind of, it's, it's kind of putting a strange twist on development, right? I mean, from a from a quarterback standpoint. And and yet, uh, as you saw with Jalen Hurts, he was able to pick up that system pretty quickly, just like uh, Kendall was at Oklahoma, just like Justin Fields was at at Ohio State. I mean, it's kind of an homogenization of of offensive football. That's what I'm seeing. Are you seeing the same thing? I mean. Everybody's wide open. Everybody kind of leans on the quarterback in a tough situation just to make a play. Uh, that's kind of what's helping this go along, don't you think? Oh, yeah. I don't think there's any doubt about it. And you see what Lincoln Riley does in his system and the way he's able to adjust that system to every one of these quarterbacks that's come in. And I think it's allowed those transfer quarterbacks to feel comfortable that they're going to be able to grasp the system and grasp it quickly and have the system adjust to them in some ways. I know, uh, obviously, Ryan Day is really highly thought of there at Ohio State for, for having similar uh, visions about how his offense runs. So, uh, yeah, yep. I, I think it's a, a good thing overall. I think it's a, a little bit tough for some coaches to, to maneuver it and some programs to maneuver it. But I think the other thing is it incentivizes 
uh, graduation. As we see here with Trey Sermon, he's able to graduate, transfer, be eligible immediately. You know, we, we've seen that with several other, uh, other players. You know, Austin Kendall was able to graduate in three years, transfer and hmm. have two years of eligibility remaining at West Virginia after he left the Sooners. So I think it's a good thing. There's some, uh, some difficulties that it brings. But overall, I think it's been a positive, net positive for college football. Yeah, I was going to say, you know, the, the top three quarterbacks in Ohio State's, uh, in Ohio State's uh, quarterback room last year all were transfers, <laughs> which is really, really odd, you know. And, and, uh, all, and two of them were graduate transfers like you're talking about. Hey, real quick uh, before we go here, Ryan, uh, uh, what, is, what has been the reaction? Because, you know, Oklahoma is one of those hotbeds of college football. I'm talking about the University of Oklahoma, just like Ohio State is. You can almost, you can almost feel – sort of a pall cast over the place a little bit when they got around to canceling spring spring football, of all things, right? Uh, no spring game, et cetera. But what has it been like, you know, in, in your neck of the woods as far as the reaction to everything that's going on with everything sort of being on hold, but especially, you know, because the reason we're talking is because we both cover major college football, but what's been the reaction just of fans not getting that daily dose of somebody getting better or worse in spring football. Yeah, it's been uh, completely different. People around here aren't used to it. Obviously, this is also a big NBA basketball area with what the Oklahoma City Thunder have been able to do this year. And seeing that right. shut down has, has uh, sort of has changed the landscape of things. I think for all of us, certainly sports writers uh, among that group as well, but that's why you see everybody just grabbing on to any small piece of information. You know, I think typically a, 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 a transfer who's already said he's transferring, announcing where he's going to go, doesn't really generate much of an interest. Uh, you know, a little blip, but not a big-time interest. But uh, this one obviously gets blown up every little scrap of NFL news among uh, especially former OU and OSU players. Uh, you know, Baker Mayfield, we had some news with him with some of the things he's doing to help out both Cleveland and Norman through this whole thing. That's been much bigger news. So everything sort of gets magnified, and people really, really hope that come mid-July when it's time for Big 12 Media Days down in Arlington, Texas, that uh, everything's good and, and ready to go and have a, a normal college football season. Yeah, it's kind of like in Wayne's world when they're waiting for Aerosmith to show up for the concert, you know, and and they make the big, you know, they're trying to keep the crowd at bay, and they make the announcement that the red licorice may be tainted, you know, things like that. That's, that's kind of what we're dealing with right now. Any yeah. little bit help. Hey, hey, last thing, Ohio State fans might be interested in this. Alex Grinch uh, was the new defensive coordinator last year after spending a year at Ohio State, a, a restless year at Ohio State, when I think he thought he was going to have – more say in what the defense was going to do than he did, and uh, but uh, he, I'm not I'm not sure he totally turned the the uh, Oklahoma defense around. Uh, did he move it at least a few degrees uh, in the proper direction? What was your take on how the Oklahoma defense uh, changed last year, and do you see it getting even better this year? Yeah, I, I think it took incremental steps in a positive direction, and and clearly it wasn't where Alex Grinch wanted it to be last year especially when you talk about turnover numbers, but they were much better. They were able to get pressure from multiple angles, which is something that they hadn't been able to do under Mike Stoops the last couple of years. It was pretty much just an edge rusher. And if that guy wasn't getting to the quarterback, then they weren't getting to the quarterback at all. And that put so much strain on their secondary. You also saw the, the, their lack of depth exposed. We saw that in the Peach Bowl loss to LSU when they lost – the Larry and Turner Yale is safety to an injury. They, they lost uh, Brennan Radley-Hiles, their nickel to ejection earlier in that game. Had to throw out really inexperienced guys. And while those guys had their moments, they clearly weren't ready for, for that kind of stage. They built up their depth a little bit in recruiting. They've got to get better uh, back there. I think they're going to have better depth. But it's time to take big steps forward rather than small steps. And I think this is going to be a really critical year for what Alex Grinch is trying to build in Norman. You know, uh, Ryan, the, the, uh, the Sooners are sort of becoming the Buffalo Bills of the college football playoff, you know? <laughs> I mean, uh, yeah. 
Three straight appearances, three straight sort of ugly losses. I don't know if ugly is the right one about Baker's loss, but, I mean, uh, what is the the sense among the proletariat there and also the the fans uh, about kind of like what needs to change to get them, you know, uh, over that hump? I mean, that's a nice hump to have to get over, though, you know? Yeah, no, it's a it's a double-edged sword because obviously you want to be in the position to be in those games, and, and if you're not in those games, you can't lose those games. Uh, but OU fans certainly are hungry for another championship, to play in a championship game, things like that. You know, it's hard to imagine with uh, what Oklahoma has become and how consistent they've been over the last yep. 20 years since Bob Stoops arrived in 1999, that the gap between OU's last national championship and now is bigger than any championship drought that they've had since they won their first one. And uh, wow. OU fans want that number eight, uh, you know, hanging up on their, their, their stadium in the practice facility, everything like that. But um, so I think there's an appreciation for being there as much as they have. But there's also a feeling that, hey, it's time to break through and start winning these games and, and not just getting there. Yeah, and by the way, uh, if they're going to get it done this year, is a Rattler going to lead them? I mean, what's, what's, your, what's your sense of that? Well, I, I, I think there's little doubt that Spencer Rattler is going to be their quarterback as much as Lincoln Riley wants to talk about quarterback battles and, and going down to the wire <laughs> and things like that. You know, he's talked up the quarterback battles the last couple of times. You know, we saw it with – uh, Kyler Murray and, uh, and Austin Kendall. We saw that with Jalen Hurts and Tanner Mordecai. And I think when you see the product on the field, there's no doubt that there was a, a wide gap there. And I think it's going to be the same thing, that Spencer Rattler, barring an injury or something you know, unforeseen like that, is going to be the quarterback for the Sooners. And you saw some small flashes of him and what his abilities are with his arm with his accuracy, with the scrambling ability, things like that, just in the couple of games that we watched him play last year that jump off the page at you. But doing it at the end of a blowout game is a whole lot different than doing it in a tight game at Tennessee that he's going to face in a couple of years or even this year with Tennessee coming at home in the Red River rivalry down in Dallas against Texas things like that, you're not going to get a sense for really who this kid is until he gets into some of those pressure situations. And uh, we're, we're going to see, you know, just how well made he is for those kind of things here pretty quick because this schedule doesn't have a lot of ramp up to it. There's not a, a slow easing in to things for the Sooners this year. Yeah. In other words, you're, what you're, in, in, in uh, summation, what you're trying to say is you're waiting to see the Rattler strike. <laughs> exactly. Wow, what a, what a, what a great name for a what a great name oh. for any player, but especially a quarterback, man. I, I mean, I can see you playing with that all year, my man. Hey, yeah, it's going to be man, great for really, headlines for sure. Oh, absolutely. Hey, man, I really appreciate you coming on this podcast, man. Uh, you know, it's you know, like you said, it's not like we're uh, scraping the bottom of the barrel here. This was a this was the top of the barrel here in this situation, and you know, I think people want to hear some talk about college football, uh, even if college football isn't going on right now. But uh, it is interesting uh, how two of, the, two of the great programs in the country here in the contemporary times have seen a player transfer from one to the other. And, and Ohio State fans are sort of, I think, leaning on the fact that uh, Trey Sermon will give them that needed depth when they watch their proposed number one running back go down with an Achilles injury the first day of spring football this year. I'm talking about Master Teague III, the guy that's supposed to follow in J.K. Dobbins' footsteps. But uh, it's just interesting how programs across the country are intertwined anymore, right? Yeah, no doubt about it. it the transfer season is, is here, and at least it gives us something to, to chat about during these weird, weird times. Well, ladies and gentlemen, that's Ryan Aber from the Oklahoma down in uh, Oklahoma. He lives in, by the way, if you ever want to look at Tornado Alley, if you want to put an X mark on the center part of Tornado Alley, he lives in Moore, Oklahoma. And that is it, isn't it, uh, uh, Ryan, from what you figured out, y'all are the, the X mark in the middle of Tornado Alley. Yeah, pretty much. If you hear a big tornado hitting Oklahoma, there's a good chance that it goes through Moore. 
for better or worse. We've had a couple of really close calls, but luckily haven't had any in a few years. Uh, keep, keep our fingers crossed there. No, I was going to say, if you hear there's a big, a big tornado in Oklahoma, going through Oklahoma, you got to pretty much figure that Ryan Aber is in his basement, right? <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Luckily, we've got, uh, got a shelter pretty handy. Most people around here do, and uh, we'll be spending some time in it here for sure in the next couple months because that, it's that time of the year again. You got it. Hey, Ryan, let's talk again, man. I really appreciate you coming on my podcast. Yeah, glad to do it. Thank you so much for having me on. Hey, we'll be back in just a moment, ladies and gentlemen, with Boston. You know him as Austin Ward. I know him as Boston. And we'll be talking about the Trey Sermon impact, et cetera, and what's going on with Ohio State football, even with the doors all but padlocked on the Woody Hayes Athletic Center. We'll be back in a moment. And presto, voila, uh, by the magic of, of digital circuitry, Here's Boston Austin Ward joining me on my podcast. And as you can see, you can now see me now, ladies and gentlemen. A lot of developments happened in those two or three seconds that I was down. <laughs> but I digress. Boston, uh, you broke the story on Trey Sermon uh, opting to leave Oklahoma and transfer to Ohio State. A much-needed uh, shot in the arm from a transfer standpoint for Ohio State uh, since the fact that his number one running back going into the spring, Master Teague, limped off with a, an Achilles tendon uh, injury, uh, which needed surgery, et cetera. Uh, everybody thought that this was a match made in heaven, Trey Sermon to Ohio State, and it finally happened, and you were all, all on top of it uh, this past Sunday. Uh, tell us, number one, how that all uh, shook out, and number two, what this means to Ohio State. Uh, well, I, I think it's massively significant for Ohio State just because you look, as you talked about with Master Teague out, when Marcus Crowley uh, was also not going to be healthy during spring camp and wasn't going to be ready till the summer. J.K. Dobbins turned pro, as we know. I mean, that was expected, but uh, those are three guys that weren't healthy uh, or around to go through spring, and that left Ohio State with one healthy scholarship running back. Um, even if you just had Steel Chambers, um, you know, and you thought you were going to be fine with Mayan Williams back, uh, or arriving in the summer and then, you know, getting a healthy Crowley, you're still going to be extremely inexperienced if you're Ohio State in the backfield. Well, now you have Trey Sermon with 2,000 career rushing yards, 25 touchdowns at a, a major program, Oklahoma, a college football playoff contender, one of four, five, six schools that can really hope to contend every single year. Um, it was hard to find any any flaw, any any fly in the ointment that made this anything less than a perfect fit really for both parties because Trey Sermon, he wants to play and prove himself. Oklahoma had four backs there that they were, uh, you know, hoping to use and work into a rotation. They also don't really run the ball quite as effectively or uh, as often as Ohio State wants to with Ryan Day. Uh, so he gets to go play for a, a contender. He gets to potentially compete you know, right away and be the starter. We'll see if that happens. Uh, he need, He's also going to an offense that is going to have some similarities in concepts. Uh, Lincoln Riley and Ryan Day, both really cutting-edge guys, and you can see sometimes how they, they borrow from each other. So all that stuff added up, and, and he really – he had about – was he in the transfer portal officially about nine days? Uh, so that was the first time he was able to start talking to Tony Alford again, dating back to his recruitment, a guy that he had a good relationship with. Ohio State would have finished maybe second or third if, if guys had to list their pecking order when they signed coming out of high school. He took a couple of unofficial visits back then. Uh, but so last week, it was just a matter of making a couple calls. He knew what the depth chart situation was going to be like, catching up with Tony Alford, talking to Ryan Day. Uh, he also had some interest from Notre Dame, Missouri, and Miami, uh, three schools that I know for sure were involved uh, in that process with him. But and nobody had any, as much to offer. Uh, and I think that's why you saw this resolve itself really pretty quickly because – Sermon had already visited Ohio State in the past. He couldn't do that now with coronavirus, but he knew Tony Alford and all those other things that I mentioned. It was really um, the hardest part was deciding to leave Oklahoma. And then once he did that, Ohio State was really a pretty obvious fit for him. Yeah, you know, it's, it's funny how things work out, right? I mean, uh, you know, uh, a month ago we were talking about the situation with Ohio State and, and Master Teague third and his whole situation. And, uh, and then, boom, now Ohio State has a guy who has played at the highest level. He is coming off a knee injury that required surgery. 
as you uh, heard, maybe Ryan Abers from the Daily Oklahoman, the Oklahoman, I had him on earlier where we, we spoke about that, and he said he saw him at the Oklahoma uh, Pro Day. By the way, they got their Pro Day in before the, I guess the quietus came down, but the, uh, or the uh, uh, cancellation came down for Pro Days, and he saw him, he was walking around fine, seemed to be in good spirits. I'm talking about Trey Sermon did, but uh, is there a sense that he will, he'll still have to prove himself knee-wise, or what, what, what do you, from you know the the insiders you talk to at Ohio State, just like I do, what's your sense of how he's coming in from a uh, from a full go standpoint? Yeah, I asked I asked Trey Sermon about that directly yesterday, just to get an update because you know uh, it's not like um, Ryan Day or, or Tony Alford could really get direct uh, health reports or put him through a workout or anything. I mean, they they have to go off based what yeah. they knew from the past and what they'd seen on video. So Trey Sermon said he'd met with the doctor. Last week, uh, he is ahead of schedule from what they laid out for him. He called it an LCL injury, not an ACL. That he was expected to be in the original timeline had him getting fully cleared in late May, and that was upgraded according to his doctor last week uh, until he'd be fully ready to go physically in a month. So it, it, about a month ahead of schedule. Now it doesn't. It's not a huge deal, other because he's going to have to be working out on his own. He graduates on May seventh. And he's hoping to come directly to Columbus if, if possible, uh, if, if campus is open and if there's a way for him to get up here and get working out with the team. Really excited about that. But on that date, he would be fully cleared to resume activities, and that was not uh, initially what he was expecting. He still would have had a full summer under that late May, still would have been ready to go by training camp, still could have had two months to work out with Mickey Mirati and do that summer stuff. But So now it's just whatever he can do on his own, in a month's time he'll be ready to do that to get – uh, building again now for this 2020 season. Hey, you know, even with this quarantine, this uh, shelter in place, this, uh, well, on another term, this lockdown, he would be considered essential, wouldn't he? <laughs> <laughs> He'd be a, considered an essential part of an essential part of a, of a no, I'm just joking, for being facetious a little well, bit. College football is times, an essential business to Ohio State, let's be honest. I mean, if the cruise business is essential, so is Ohio State football. If you look around central Ohio and the, the impact it has on the economy, uh, et cetera, you're, you're exactly right. It depends on how you define, depends on what the definition of is, is. But, uh, but the bottom line is, yeah, I mean, essential, I think, to Ohio State's plans. Because uh, even, even if, I, even if uh, Master Teague III makes a miraculous comeback and he's fairly close to being uh, healthy, going into preseason camp. I mean, they're, they're still in Marcus Crowley is still, you know, he still hasn't been given a green light to participate. Speak. I mean, this is an interesting time in the, in the running back room. Agreed Austin. Yeah, it really is. I mean, and now this is a, as you say, it's not like this is a hundred percent done deal for Trey Sermon. He's got stuff to prove. He's going to have to, you know, acclimate and, you know, there will be changes to the offense and terminology. He's going to have some stuff that he's got to learn and, and catch up with over the summer. Marcus Crowley, we don't know the exact date from Ohio State's perspective of when they thought that he'd be ready to go and participate fully again. Um, Steel Chambers now, he got three practices where he got to be the guy and then camp was over. It was That was certainly probably a situation yeah. he was really looking forward to. So, uh, I mean, this is still not um, uh, a great – situation but it's an improved situation for Ohio State there's just still a lot of work to do and it's really fascinating because I keep I keep coming back to it it's like I think everything is going to be fine and Ryan Day has pieces that he can borrow from whether that's uh, Jamison Williams or Garrett Wilson you know DeMario McCall whatever I mean I think they can get really creative and the, and the rushing attack is going to be fine but it's just right now there was just a weird period where we're talking about all of the tradition Going back to Archie, Eddie, Keith Byers, I mean, you know, even more recently, Carlos Hyde, Ezekiel Elliott, J.K. Dobbins, like Ohio yeah. State always finds somebody to be that stud rusher. But it was it was really aw just awkward earlier this month because you're looking at it and there was no star power uh, that that was established. He knew was going to be really good. Ohio State as a whole, you know, it's going to be fine. But it's like I just can't remember a period where there was so much uncertainty about the running back position when this is a program that's been built on that and fueled by it for so long. Well, you should have been around uh, in between uh, Maurice Claret and uh, Antonio Pittman and, and, and Beanie Wells coming along. There was a year or two there where 
things were a little uncertain, you know, uh, but uh, hey, that's water. As uh, the late Earl Brees used to say, that's water under. I mean, transfers are becoming the free agent market. It is literally a free agent market now for college football, and it's 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 robust. Uh, you agree? Yeah, it's uh, you broke up a little bit there on me, but uh, you know the way this is working out, I I'm going to guess that you're talking about the way Ryan Day keeps finding answers here on the transfer you know portal and like it's not it doesn't seem to work that way for everybody else like you've seen some of these quarterbacks go elsewhere and, and struggle people were really going crazy about northwestern i think now two years in a row three years in a row where it's like they've got this great option peyton ramsey's going to change northwestern well he's not going to be justin fields and a lot of the offensive linemen that you're going to find are not going to be uh top nfl guys like jonah jackson with an instant yeah. impact right away We'll see how this, this works out for Trey Sermon. But Ohio State has been remarkably successful at getting the best of the best out of that portal. And I think that that's one reason why there's been all this you know, conversation about if guys are allowed to transfer without penalty, how it changes college football, and maybe it'll level the playing field. Well, I, I think Ohio State's always going to be able to get the guys that it wants. That's not ever going to change. Alabama's going to be able to do the same thing. Clemson will do the same thing. Um, but you still have to be really careful when you do it. You can't just do it at the expense of um, developing your roster and recruiting and bringing them up through the program. So I think what's fascinating about Ohio State is that they haven't just pushed in all their chips and said, we're going to build a roster through transfer and cherry pick the portal um, uh, for, any, for every position on the roster. They've, they've recruited at an extremely yeah. high level, and then they're supplementing that when there are – uh, clear needs, whether it's something they didn't anticipate through injury uh, or guys leaving early for the NFL, both that applies to J.K. Dobbins uh, and Dwayne Haskins, their quarterback. When these situations arise, then you take a look, you take your time, and you make sure that you know that you're comfortable. And, you know, I, I don't, I'm not going to say even this early uh, era of the transfer portal at Ohio State is the only team that's got it figured out, but right now they certainly seem to be the best at it. You know, it's interesting times we live in uh, all the way around. Let's just jump ahead now, Austin. Uh, can you hear me okay yeah. now, by the way? Yeah, I got you. Uh, what, what, what's your guess with the Woody Hayes Athletic Center doors will be flung open again? Whew. Uh, I, I think the, the date that I keep hearing being targeted is, is late May for that's what Ohio State is uh, sort of working with and anticipating right now, as we know, yeah. like, it's almost impossible to, to plan and know with any confidence what's going to happen with this. Part of it is going to depend on people continuing to do their part and following the stay-at-home orders. I know that that's, it's hard. None of us like it. Uh, for you and me, doing this podcast remotely and trying to figure out Zoom and Zencaster and all these things we've never used before, as opposed to good old-fashioned, uh, you know, getting together and, and having a conversation like that we like to do. And we've been doing yeah. for the, you know, whatever this is now, eight years that we've known each other, even when we weren't working together. I mean, that's, this is an adjustment period. So that applies to Gene Smith. It applies to Ryan Day. These guys don't, don't know what with a, they, they can't know. None of us know what exactly is going to happen. I think that's also why you've seen Day and Chris Holtman and Gene Smith and JT Barrett and Cardell Jones and down in Louisiana, Ed Ogeron, these coaches, starting to talk and use their platform to spread that message. Because if we don't, if this thing doesn't get taken care of, there's a chance that we're not, that the Woody won't open, won't be closed just till May. College football could be closed for an indefinite period of time if this disease is spreading and, and we don't have a handle on it. So I think that's, look, Ryan Day's spring camp is closed down. He missed 12 days. You know, they want to have winter, you know, summer workouts, mat drills, summer conditioning. They need that to get you know teams and players right. ready, but we we don't we don't know. And if we don't take care of it now, there might not be football. And that's that's crazy for you and me to to think about because that's that's our livelihood. It's those players. It's what they do. But I mean, yeah. I think that's why you're seeing a flood of messages from Ohio State and the coaching staff and the people that have the largest platforms. Because I mean, even even you know 
you're talking about Ryan Day and, and Urban Meyer and these guys, they, they can reach millions of people in the drop of a hat. And if people don't trust politicians and uh, whatever, I mean, I, I can't say that I really blame them, but, you know, the, these coaches embracing that and knowing the severity of it, I think is a really big deal because we want the doors of the Woody be open by late May. Yeah. So we back to normal. But the interesting thing about this is, uh, you know, it, it reminds me of some of the things we've covered, you know, how I say like a, NCAA investigations and things like that. You get this flurry of stories to begin with, you know, flurry of, and yeah. then you start running out of not so much ideas. You just start waiting for it to be over, you know, for it to come to fruition. And, uh, uh, and uh, so, yeah, this is the biggest unknown. I'm, I just turned 66 today and this is the biggest unknown in my lifetime. It's uh, from the standpoint of forget about football, just about what's going on. When will life get back to anywhere close to normal? And, uh, but you know, the funny thing about it is we can poo-poo sports all we want. You saw where the Olympics are still, as we talk here, they still haven't canceled or postponed the Olympics. Because um, they're holding out hope that things would get cleared up, I think a lot sooner than they, they probably will. But, but sports, sports are a huge part uh, of, not just of your, of your life anymore, they're a huge part of the economy. And, uh, you know, there are people getting hurt in the sports uh, in the sports profession, in the sports realm, just like there are in every other realm, the cruise ship lines and all these other things, you know, that are, you know, you think you don't really need and you don't really need them, except all the jobs that emanate from those uh, industries. Are, it's huge now. Professional sports in the major, in the cities with three or four major sports teams. I mean, professional sports teams is crazy. Ohio State. Uh, the Columbus Blue Jackets in Columbus. Just think about how many people who, who rely on the Columbus Blue Jackets for a regular job and how many people rely on the trickle-down theory, so to speak, of people going to and from Columbus Blue Jacket games uh, for their livelihood, you know, in the in the short north area, in the uh, arena area, so arena district. So, yeah, this, uh, you know, it, it has as much, it has a huge impact on what's on the uh, local economies of these cities. Yeah. Did you just slip in that it was your birthday? Yeah, but I don't want everybody to know about it until uh, after it's over because this thing doesn't drop until the day after. So, uh, well, happy birthday. But yeah. um, well, thank you. Yeah, but a, but the but the bad news about it is I'm even deeper into the uh, into the uh, what do you call it the the demographic that could be most affected by the coronavirus. So I'd rather not talk about it, well, even though I feel like I feel like I'm 30 years old at heart. Well. My, we heart does, my heart doesn't feel like it's 30 years old, I'm sure. <laughs> we, had, we had talked even as recently about trying, as recently as yesterday, about trying to, you know, get, get to our downtown office and, and try and resume some normalcy and pick up roosters and do a show down there. And it's, like, we were ready to do that and willing, you know, get four or five people in our, in our office and be under that limit. But that, it feels like it was three weeks ago that that was the suggestion, 10 people or less. And now, you know, it's the stay at home. It, like, that part is absolutely wild and crazy. I think it's I think it's great that you call attention to the fact that it's not just uh, you know millionaire athletes and and Nick Foligno uh, losing paychecks and Cam Atkinson losing paychecks. These guys yeah. that and Ohio State has that too. Uh, red coats and ticket takers and, and you know cleaning the stadium and so on and so forth. Those are those are important jobs that people have to get done for that whole operation to run. And not only that, but you look at the the budget for the athletic department and the school as a whole, like football programs are that, I think they, some people call it the welcome mat and you're not, you get, when Ohio state football is winning, you're getting way more kids trying to enroll and, and sending in applications. And that was true when Alabama got the football program rolling again, or teams that rise out of the ashes, it's always a big help for them. And then that helps fund other things. Sure. Um, certainly for Ohio state, um, you look at football primarily and to a lesser degree men's basketball with NCAA tournament money you can't fund all these other sports and, and all these other opportunities if they don't exist so it's that's I I keep saying that over and over that's why it's such a big deal that they, we're going to have much bigger problems if football goes away that people don't like oh yeah if football goes, yeah, yeah. yeah not a big deal to some people it's a big deal to make sure that you have football dude if if, if if, if the college football season doesn't happen as expected and 
in the fall, then we're all going to be dealing with things that we're not even probably thinking about college football at that point. So uh, I, I got a feeling, you know, you know, just just a hunch. I mean, that uh, that things will be start to get back to normal like midsummer or late summer. I got a feeling the NCAA uh, is going to allow teams to have an extra two weeks of preseason camp if that's what they, you know, something like that. If in fact this does get get back to where you can play football again, so Trey Sermon will have almost the equivalent of a spring of a spring to get ready uh, to play football at Ohio State, for example. You know, it was interesting. I saw a video that was posted online of Justin Fields throwing the ball over the weekend. I think it looked like he's still in Georgia. Uh, or may, might have been in Georgia, where he was. Told, but he also he put out a, a welcome, you know, uh, a tweet to uh, Trey Sermon. He knows how big a deal Trey Sermon joining the group is. It's not putting anybody else down who's already in the group, but they need that from a depth standpoint. So it's really like you and I've talked about. It's really funny <clears throat> how there's a faint heartbeat <laughs> of things still going on in the football program, uh, even though things are shut down and. That's what, those are the kind of little nuggets, those little uh, news items that people will have to seize on. I was talking with Ryan Abrams about it, the guy who covers Oklahoma for the, for the Oklahoma, and we were talking about it earlier before you came on, and just about how little things now are going to be huge news items <laughs> until, you know, uh, the, like I said, the padlock comes off the Woody A's Athletic Center, and people can start working out again. Hey, real quick, uh, so what are you and your family doing to pass the time, et cetera, in between? Uh, by the way, yesterday, uh, I'm talking, we're recording this on a Monday, I found myself watching an iRacing uh, NASCAR race and actually enjoyed it. <laughs> uh, and I, th I think auto racing is about almost the only thing that you could simulate, put on a simulator, and it looked almost like it should. You know, all these yeah. other ones don't look right, you know, even football. But, uh, but I'm enjoying that, but I'm trying to stay, I'm trying to do right, stay on the down low for the most part. Yeah. But how are you guys killing time? So give people some examples. You've got a little daughter. <laughs> your, your wife, I guess, is at home working uh, for the dispatch uh, yeah. uh, from home. How, how are you guys uh, dealing with it? Yeah, she – Yeah, so Allie started working from home about Tuesday of last week. We kept Liberty home all last week. It wasn't – her daycare hadn't closed, but we were just trying to take that precaution. So she's now been on – you know, 10 days with mommy and daddy and, and not getting out to play with their friends. And she's handling it pretty well, I think. Um, she's two and a half. So it's, and we're trying to find things that we can do with her and keep her entertained. And Disney Plus has been a real MVP uh, for us over the last few days. I think I've seen uh, on, Water water Onward. It came out on Friday night. And I, she's watched it every day since then. Uh, so I'm getting, getting all those down. Frozen 2, I know all the the lyrics to those songs um that's been it she's she loves to she loves to dance we've been having dance parties uh in the living room uh she it's pretty it's crazy to me how quickly they grow up you know that seeing it again yeah. with your kids and now your your grandson I, she just she's two and a half and knows the words to the songs and is singing along it's got this great memory it's it's uh it's so, so cool to watch i was uh we're getting a different perspective on it now with 24 hours a day like uh it's not just the weekend. I, this sounds kind of silly, but it's just, it's different when you, when you're all three trapped together, we're used to, Allie's got the office downtown. I, I work from home most days when I'm not at the Woody with you and the Buckeyes. And, but, you know, I've got quiet when yeah. she's in daycare. All that is a big, big adjustment, but you know, you also find the bright side of this. Like I was talking with Anthony Schlegel about that last week. Like this is some family time that we wouldn't normally get. So we, we're going to, try and make the best of it and find some bright sides. Yeah, I just had flashbacks, Hakuna Matata, I know that song, you know, and uh, uh, my, my kids like, we introduced them to Mary Poppins. They really like Mary Poppins. I know every song in Mary Poppins, you know, especially you've got to grind, grind, grind at that grindstone. I like that part, Dick Van Dyke, but, uh, <clears throat> but it is interesting how things are disrupted. I mean, my, my brother's, uh, my, my, my one remaining brother, his oldest son, is getting married uh, on May the 2nd. And we were all playing, we were playing basically a huge family reunion uh, with my whole family was going down there, including my, my son and his, my son Kyle and his wife Steph and our, my grandson Owen and then my son Corey who works at Zonax, which Zonax, Novax, which right now is, you know, is shuttered. 
so yeah, he has some time on his hands. And my daughter Caroline lives down in the Cincinnati area. Uh, she works in the uh, in for a uh, for a firm that uh, basically they do research and stuff. But uh, it was going to be a big huge family reunion. But now you know that's basically been canceled. Trying to get our money back from the hotel, things like that. You know, prepaid. There are all kinds of disruptions, which are little bitty things, but little bitty things add up to a lot, you know, and uh, uh, as this thing goes, and you can see the, like I said, the trickle down effect of this whole thing. And and uh, I'm sure Ryan Day and the coaches are still getting paid probably, right? Yeah. They are. yeah. But with the red coats and people like that who might've been having jobs, uh, you know, uh, doing uh, spring events, uh, spring sporting events, including the spring game, uh, they've lost, that we'll see where Ohio State goes, and in the standpoint of maybe helping those people a little bit. But uh, you know, there's only so much money in the kitty. Although the federal government seems to be opening, bashing open a lot of uh, piggy banks uh, in the last couple of days. Yeah, that's uh, that's a big different piggy show. banks. <laughs> that's a different show. I, I I can't weigh in there, but I, you were you got me thinking about the disruptions and all that stuff, like. It, it keep the, the dominoes keep falling with sports worldwide. Like I keep grabbing onto anything. You were talking about the racing on Sunday. I wasn't watching that. Um, I was trying to finish up with Trey Sermon, but uh, yeah. Over the weekend, we found these live streams of table tennis. My brother, my brothers-in-law, the three of them, and and another buddy. We like to get in a group text and, and gamble on sports and all that. Like a lot of people do. Well, we had nothing to do, nothing to find. So what? Ukrainian table tennis live streams this tournament going on and suddenly it was the greatest thing in the world to us so like any live sports we were trying to cling to it just like you know the video racing all this stuff it's just for for you know for you and me and anybody who, who listens to this podcast like sports are like the way we get through life like wait a minute you're telling me you ukraine is figuring it into even into this thing that's yes yes ukraine uh, i'll tell you what it, i found interesting was what I feel what I found interesting was marble racing. I don't know if you saw that or not, but I retweeted it where you let marbles go down these and you, you know, and I can see, seriously, I can see wagering on this down the road, man. I mean, it's, I mean, people, people aren't just antsy about whatever. There are a lot of people who uh, are in the gaming. Uh, they really like to bet on stuff for whatever reason, but I, I can see marbling, you know, but uh, man, I would really be skeptical if things opened if they open gambling on on uh, Ukrainian table tennis matches, it, to me it'd be like going to a highlight match. Did the guy really? Did his sister really come apart? You know, at the exactly the right time. I'd be I'd be worried about those things, uh, Austin. Don't go down that road, my man. I know because they don't they don't have as much uh, financially invested. I don't believe uh, in no. the Ukrainian table tennis league as maybe the NFL. So uh, I don't know, maybe I should have offered to Venmo them 10 or $15 to help myself. And, and they were maybe take a dive for one round. I don't know. It's but like, you know, Australian rules, uh, you know, the Australian rules and the football league there and their soccer, like they were clinging to life. And that, that AFL league was on on Friday night. And then the next day they were shutting down that league because they were had coronavirus and, and spreading in Australia. It's like, it, yeah. it's, you hope that just somewhere, there's something that's isolated where we can get a live sports fix. And if it's going to have to be, you know, virtual racing and simulating uh, Madden games or college football, whatever online, I mean, people are going to watch it, right? Like I, yeah. I need a sports fix. Yeah. Well, ladies and gentlemen, uh, we hope we're helping you a little bit uh, with your sports fix, at least talking about Ohio state football. Cause it something pops up every week with Ohio state football and I'll have a real special guest on here next week who could really liven up the show, so to speak. I won't name the name or anything like that because, you know, a lot of times it's hard getting permission sometimes <laughs> to speak to folks. I don't understand that when nobody had, when folks that really have nothing to do. But you it should know be what? a lot easier That's right it. now, right? Like yeah. they don't. It should be. It <laughs> We're should not be. taking them away from practice. We're not keeping them away from game planning. They got if, nothing but free time. If the government is cutting through the red tape when it takes to develop a an antiviral drug, you would think you could get uh, some red tape cut to get an interview. You know what I mean? But, uh, you know, sometimes you've got to take what you can get. But I really enjoyed today's podcast with Ryan Abers from the Oklahoman who covers Oklahoma football, gave us a little insight on Trey Sermon, the uh, newly named uh, transfer running back from Oklahoma to Ohio State, the story, which was 
broken, uh, scooped by the man on your screen right now, Boston. You know him as Austin Ward. Hey, Boston, thanks for coming on again, man. Uh, I think we've got a good thing going here, and let's give people stuff that, uh, some stuff to listen to during this tough time. Absolutely, man. I'm uh, glad. Hey, we're going to get better at this stuff with te the technology. We know it's not perfect. That's not just for this show. All the shows we're doing at Letterman Row. We want business to be normal. We want to keep talking about football. We want that content out there. We know that this isn't ideal, but we're going to try and get better at it as we go and make sure the connection audio and video is that. But mainly I, I want to get through it so that you and I can get back in the studio and back to normal and back to face-to-face -to -face and, and get ready for this 2020 season. Yeah, all I know is the next time I'm going to have all kinds of stuff up in the background behind me uh, showing uh, what I care for. Uh, is that a Magic Johnson jersey back there? I can't make out that's, what that is at 33. That's actually that a, a Wyoming football jersey right there from a few years back when they got uh, they moved away from Nike and they had a whole bunch of those in the basement. And I reached out to uh, Craig Bull, the, the coach there. I've got I had a chance to get to know him a little bit. And he had made this joke that when they – went to this color scheme and the WIO, the fans in Wyoming hated it. And he said, well, I'm going to burn all these old jerseys. That's not, we're going to get the original colors back. We're gonna, it's going to say Wyoming on it. We're not going to have, it's got like Oregon, you know, wings on it. He said, we're not doing alt jerseys. Yeah. Burn them. I said, Hey, don't burn them all. Maybe just save me one. I'll put it up in the office there and, and get my, uh, my alma mater a little bit of love. So uh, Craig Bull doing great things with the folks and uh, glad that I can actually share that a little bit. Uh, one maybe silver lining from this show, getting that out there. Yeah, I was going to say, anything beats that all-brown look, man. I'm just telling you. I'm just telling you, the all-brown of the Wyoming Cowboys. And, by the way, that's just another example, just like e email. Some things, just when you thought they're deleted, they're still around. You know what I'm saying? So <laughs> that's another little thing for people to keep in mind during this down period. Watch your emails, ladies and gentlemen. But until next time, and uh, thank you, Boston, Austin Ward, coming on again. Until next time, this is Tim May with the podcast. See you later.